You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hey, this is Jason from Two Sides of Phi here to tee up this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about what Eric and I think is one of the most powerful retirement calculators available. And it's free. This is the first in a two-part series on safe withdrawal rate and sequence of returns risk, two essential topics. Let's start with just a little bit of background. Most of you are probably familiar with the 4% rule. That is, you should be able to safely withdraw an amount equal to 4% of your starting portfolio each year for the duration of your retirement. You adjust annually for inflation, and you won't run out of money. In other words, 4% would be termed a safe withdrawal rate. And indeed, over the long haul, stocks should return much more than 4%. But like most things, the reality is not quite that simple. In fact, economist and fire blogger Karsten Jeska has shown through his historical simulations that you can still run out of money even if your 50-year-plus average return was way above your withdrawal rate. And the problem is that if market returns were bad enough initially and you keep withdrawing through a bear market, there is a chance you'll deplete your portfolio so much that even the bull market and recovery that follows will not be enough to save you from running out of money. In other words, the sequence of returns matters. So in today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to the tool that Eric and I have found the most useful in modeling our own withdrawal strategies. The SWR Toolbox was created by Karsten, who blogs at Early Retirement Now, and who we've talked with on the show before. After watching this video, you will be able to do your own safe withdrawal rate modeling using this tool. You'll want to stay tuned for part two in this series, where Eric and I dive into this topic in more detail. One last thing before we get started. If you're an audio podcast listener, and particularly if this is the first time you're listening to our show, please check us out on YouTube as this walkthrough will be far more effective with video. To see that, to download the toolbox and get all the material I reference, go to twosidesoffi.com toolbox. That's T-O-O-L-B-O-X. All right, let's get started. First things first, I'm well aware that on the surface, this topic in the toolbox seems imposing. As I'm recording this, Karsten has a 55-part series on his blog about safe withdrawal rates. I'm showing the landing page for that here. But as you'll see, this tool is actually much simpler to use than you might think. Feel free to comment on the video after you're finished and let me know how I did. Basically, because Karsten is a whiz at math, he's actually done all the heavy lifting for us. There's no math. So if you're someone who has tried to read his blog and find yourself confused and fearful of trying the toolbox, our aim is to get you past that. Now, you might be wondering how this tool is different from other retirement calculators. Comparing to one that many are familiar with, Seafire Sim, in that case, the tool asks you for a specific withdrawal rate for a given portfolio and then simulates how that rate would have performed over time for each of the different start dates. The SWR toolbox goes the opposite route. You specify a final value target, in other words, how much money do you want left over when you die, and the spreadsheet calculates the exact initial withdrawal rate that would have matched the final value target. Pretty powerful, right? Now let's start with how to get your own free copy of the toolbox. Go to part 28 in Karsten's SWR blog series, shown here. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. On this page, we'll want to click the link to get your own copy of SWR Toolbox 2.0. It's going to open up a new window in Google Sheets that asks you to make a copy of the document. Let's click that button to make the copy. That will now open a new tab or new window depending on your browser. This is what you should see once you have opened your own copy of the toolbox in Google Drive. Be sure to see Karsten's Disclaimers tab shown here. 
Just a reminder that, like everything on the show, this isn't financial advice. Finally, any errors made in this walkthrough are mine. Comment on the video if you think I've got something wrong, and we'll be sure to follow up and correct it in the show notes if needed. In this video, I'm going to list spreadsheet cell references, like B26, based on the version of the toolbox available now in January of 2023. It's quite possible those references could change in future versions of the tool, but with the descriptions I've used here, I think it should be pretty easy to match them up even if the spreadsheet changes a little bit. All right, time to dive in. The Parameters and Main Results tab is one of the two places we will spend pretty much all of our time on this video. You'll see at the top of each tab in the spreadsheet that there are links to the blog post along with some definitions shown here. Now we're going to start by focusing on the left-hand column. Just ignore all these numbers over here. We'll get back to them. You're going to start by entering the details of your portfolio in cells B7 to B13. In this example, we have a simple portfolio of 75% U.S. large-cap stocks, 15% 10-year U.S. treasuries, and 10% 30-year U.S. treasuries. Make sure the numbers you enter total to 100%, otherwise the gold holdings here at the bottom will be adjusted to make up the difference so that the calculations work properly. Note that you can add cash, international stocks, and a few custom assets if needed as well. You want this to reflect accurately what your portfolio is. We are going to use example data for the rest of this video. Now one tip, don't include real estate holdings, including your primary residence in your portfolio. Rental income, planned property sales, etc. can all be entered in the next tab, Cash Flow Assist, which we'll cover soon. I'm going to skip this section here, the Fama French style factors in B16 to 17, as these are beyond the scope of the introduction. If you want to learn more about them, check out part 28 in the blog series. Next, you'll need to enter your annual portfolio expense ratio in cell B18. This could be a little complicated, especially if you've never done it before and you have accounts at multiple brokerages. But if you only have low fee index funds, for purposes of the simulation, you can start with a low number for now, like 0.05 or 0.1, and revise it later once you've done the math. Let's move down to the next section, which is called Project Future Real Returns. This is in cells B20 to B35. You can either stick with his default assumptions about future market performance or change these to reflect your own beliefs. Since the SWR is overwhelmingly determined by the first 10 to 15 years of portfolio drawdown, see series part 15 for more information on that, you have the ability to use different values for various time horizons. Now, a tip. People often misunderstand the purpose of the entries made here. They believe that if they retire today and set the projected returns really high, it should greatly impact their safe withdrawal rate, and then they're confused when it doesn't. Now, these estimates of future returns are actually used just to fill in the return history for the 1960s and 1970s so that the model has enough return history to generate a 60-year retirement horizon. Adding on a few extra years doesn't really have a lot of impact on the SWRs, but it's necessary to study the 60-year safe withdrawal rate for those retirement cohorts, so these values are needed. The next value here in cell B36 is the retirement time horizon. This is simply the total duration your portfolio needs to last. In other words, your lifespan once retired. And this number should be entered in months. In this example, it's 60 years, which is 720 months. The target final value shown in cell B37 
is where you'd like to model your portfolio ending at the end of your retirement as a percentage of your starting value. And what this allows you to do is model bequests to heirs, charitable giving, basically the money that you want to leave behind. And here in the example, it's 25%. Of course, if you want to literally die with zero, just enter a zero. Finally, let's ignore the CAPE model in cell B38 for now. This is an optional element, but one that I think is really interesting. We'll come back to this in part two of this series. Now, before we're tempted to dive right into the results portion of this sheet, we are going to pop over to the next tab, Cashflow Assist. The Cashflow Assist tab is where you can model cash inflows and outflows by year. Technically, this tab is optional, but it's definitely worth understanding because even if you don't use it at first, most people will find value in coming back to it at some point. I'll explain. Carson has entered some sample data here that I'll use in this demo, but please make sure you enter your own numbers later on. Or, if you want a generic SWR analysis without any cash flows, just make sure you erase all the preset values. But let's first walk through the example he shared, as I think it's really relatable. All right, first, the assumptions in this model. The portfolio is worth $3 million at the beginning of retirement. We expect 2% inflation going forward. The birth dates of this couple are listed, as is the starting month of retirement. Now, Spouse 1 expects a small corporate pension of $300, that is not inflation-adjusted, 11 years into retirement. Spouse 1 also expects Social Security after 25 years worth $2,000 per month. Spouse 2, on the other hand, has no pension and expects their Social Security to begin after 26 years worth $800 per month. I'll also show you that we're modeling $1,000 in additional monthly expenses, for example, increased medical bills, 30 years into retirement. Now note that that is in today's dollars adjusted for inflation. And that amount is going to rise to $2,000 a month at 40 years. And this corresponds perhaps to the two spouses reaching a certain age where they might scale back their other expenses like travel, but they face increased medical or in-home care expenses that'll cause a net increase of either $1,000 or $2,000 in expenses. Now, you might wonder, what's the purpose of this inflation field in cell E6? All of the simulations in this tool are actually done in real dollars, so the inflation rate should have no impact. But that isn't 100% true, because if you expect any nominal future cash flows, i.e. those in today dollars, you have to discount those back into real numbers. That's the only place the inflation estimate is used. In fact, if you don't expect nominal cash flows you'll note that the inflation input has absolutely no impact on your SWRs. Okay, so entering those parameters at the top of the page is pretty simple. So now we're going to scroll down and see how we enter in the assumptions that I just shared. And please note that each row in this table is a month in your retirement timeline, starting with the point where you begin withdrawing from your portfolio. Now, there aren't any cash inflows or outflows modeled for the first 11 years of this couple's retirement, so, there are no entries in columns E through I, which are for things that will be adjusted by inflation, like Social Security, entered in today's dollars, nor anything in columns J through N, which are the cash flows that will not be adjusted by inflation, for example, that company pension, and these are entered in future dollars. But, if we scroll all the way down to month 133, here we are, or 11 years, we now see the $300 monthly corporate pension in column J. And that's going to continue all the way to the end of the spreadsheet. Next, the Social Security payments start 25 and 26 years into retirement. 
Now these benefits are inflation adjusted, so they're going to be in columns E and F. Starting in rows 301 and 313 for each respective spouse. So here you see the $2,000 entry, and now here's the $800 entry. Lastly, we need to add those two outflows for increased medical expenses that we mentioned. Now these numbers are going to be answered in column G starting with $1,000 in month 361, which corresponds to 30 years, and increasing to $2,000 in month 481. There we are, and that's after 40 years. Since they are expenses or outflows, please note that the numbers are now negative. Makes sense, right? Again, you don't have to use this tab, and many of you may not choose to do so as a starting point, but please consider coming back to it in the future as you see it's going to increase the accuracy of your modeling. Now we're ready to see some results. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Fi path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. Let's head back to where we started to the parameters and main results tab. First thing. Honestly, this may look overwhelming to many people because Karsten has supplied a bunch of different ways to look at the results, but please bear with me. It is worth spending some time here so that I can explain some things clearly. First, we're going to start with a quick definition, and that's right from row four in this tab. You'll want to note the distinction between a safe withdrawal rate, SWR, and a safe consumption rate, SCR. This toolkit calculates safe consumption rates and safe initial consumption amounts. This naming distinction is due to any supplemental cash flows that are entered in the previous tab we were in. The actual withdrawal amounts from the portfolio are reduced by those supplemental cash flows if the latter are positive, or the withdrawal amounts are higher if you have negative supplemental flows, i.e. expenses. If you don't enter any supplemental cash flows, the safe withdrawal rate is, of course, the same as the safe consumption rate. Does that make sense? Let me put it differently. If you have more money coming in, cash inflows, you're going to withdraw less. And if your expenses rise, cash outflows, you're going to have to withdraw more from your portfolio. So we just have to account for this. You'll see that Karsten keeps the SWR in the name of the sheet and his blog series, but just be aware of the subtle difference. And I may interchange them too, and that's okay. Let's look at the first table. I think of this as the simplest core results for the toolbox. The other content here is also incredibly useful, but this is the right starting point. You can find this table in cells D6 to I25. In the top half of the table, he displays the failure rates of different initial withdrawal rates, starting with 3.25% and increasing as you go down the column. Notice how sensitive the failure rates can be when changing the withdrawal rate in steps as little as 0.25%. The bottom portion of the table presents the calculation the other way around. Pick a desired failure rate and look up the withdrawal rates to match it. The first row in that portion is a failure rate of 0.0%, i.e. the fail-safe initial withdrawal rate, and those that follow showing higher failure rates are based on higher SCRs. But in each case, the columns shown calculate the corresponding statistics under a given set of conditions. First. For all retirement starting months and years, shown in column E. Next, since 1926, in column F, which also happens to be the starting point for the Trinity study. And lastly, 
under a variety of different CAPE ratios. Now, don't panic. I'm going to talk about CAPE ratios at the end of this section as more of an advanced topic. So let's skip those for now and focus on columns E and F. So using the example data we've been discussing, the top half of the table suggests a 3.25% withdrawal rate is the fail-safe amount in all cohorts. If you go up to 3.75%, the failure rate is 5.65% for cohorts since 1926 and 6.21% for all data modeled. Look how high 4% is. If you've got a 60-year retirement, as in the example data, for example, someone retiring very early, perhaps in their early 30s, you'll want to think twice before using such a high withdrawal rate. Now let's flip it around. We have the bottom half of the table. Let's say you want to be 95% confident, which is a 5% failure rate. We see that a withdrawal rate around 3.7% is predicted to match those terms. Someone more conservative might elect a lower withdrawal rate to match a 0 or 1% failure rate. That's actually it. Pretty simple, right? Now, there's a graph below if you like the visualization. Let's check out some more. Moving back up and then to the right, cells J6 through V25 use a similar approach, but also incorporate how the S&P 500 index is doing relative to recent highs. Why is this so useful to consider? As you may know, stocks have the tendency to revert to the mean. So the expected returns tend to be higher after a steep drop and lower after a long run-up in stock prices. That's reflected in the failure probabilities of the 4% rule, and these tables let you consider market conditions at the time of your retirement. For more on this, check out part 28. Now let's move down a little further. Here we see some interesting fail-safe SCRs in cells J26 through N44. Now in all honesty, while these are interesting, we'll skip them here. You can read more about them on the blog. So there you have it. Those are the basic results that you get out of the tool. And while it looks like a lot of information viewed all at once, it's actually really easy to use in the end. Now, for those who'd like another level of information, one that I recommend, we're going to briefly talk about CAPE ratios and how they play into the first table that we looked at in this tab. If you haven't heard of Robert Schiller, he's an economist and Nobel Prize winner who came up with the idea of calculating a price-to-earnings, or P-E, ratio based not only on one-year trailing earnings, which can be rather volatile, but on a much longer-term average to smooth out those fluctuations in corporate earnings over the course of a business cycle. And that's where we get the name Cyclically Adjusted Price-to-Earnings Ratio, or CAPE. Now, why is this useful? Well, historically, the CAPE ratio, which Karsten writes about a lot, has been significantly negatively correlated with the returns of equities. Now, while that's not really useful for the short term over longer time horizons like 10 or more years, the CAPE ratio has been really informative. And this is particularly important for retirees since our success hinges on a lot of those first 10 or so retirement years due to sequence of return risk. In fact, Carson found that all failures of the 4% rule occurred when the CAPE ratio was above 20. A high initial CAPE ratio signals that retirees should probably be more cautious with their withdrawal rate. Sounds pretty important, right? Well, as I'm recording this, while the CAPE ratio has come down over the previous year, it's still elevated at 29. Carson has actually come up with a modified CAPE ratio to better reflect the current tax environment and today's corporate practices. For more on this, check out the link in the show notes. But this modified CAPE is still above 23 right now. And now this brings us back to the table. I mentioned these columns before. 
G6 through I25 are where you can see the adjustments made to withdrawal rate and failure rate in the top and bottom sections respectively based on CAPE conditions throughout history. Now this last column also allows you to add in the factor where the CAPE is above 20 and the S&P index is at all-time highs. Well, not an issue today, obviously. Now here's something to look at. Look how dramatically the 4% withdrawal rate failure rate changes when the CAPE is over 20. 37%. Compare that to when the CAPE is under 20, 6.3%. Needless to say, this is pretty important to consider. Now, I know that these added columns may seem more complicated, but they do allow you to understand how you might consider lowering your initial withdrawal rate based on market conditions. Because remember, even small changes to SCR can have huge impacts over long durations, like the duration of our retirement. And that's why Karsten often comments that he shows withdrawal rates to the hundreds place. All right, with that, you now have enough information to use the two essential tabs in the worksheet, parameters and main results, and cash flow assist. But what are the other tabs? These are all optional and are not necessary for using the tool as I've described it. So I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty. I'll just briefly describe what each tab is, and if you want more details, they're primarily in parts 7 and 28 of the SWR series. So let's scroll to the right. The first is distribution of final value. This tool lets you specify a withdrawal rate, the example given here is 4%, and then calculates the distribution of the final asset values as real, CPI-adjusted multiples of the initial value. The next tab is SCR Time Series. This tab includes the SWR for all 1,700 plus months used in the simulation. You'll see that there's a time series chart here as well. Notice how there are quite a few times when the SWR is quite substantially below 4%. If you didn't before you watch this video, you're probably starting to understand why Eric and I often throw up a very big caution flag on any blind adherence to the 4% rule. The next tab is stock and bond returns. This is quite simply all the raw data used in the simulations, and it's updated over time as you'll see in the header row. So you can always download fresh copies of the toolbox as you update your own modeling. This is pretty good rationale for following Karsten's blog. The next tab is case study. And this one highlights a few different specific withdrawal simulations Karsten wrote about in parts 7, 28, and others. This includes a Seafire sim-like approach as well as a so-called glide path simulation. And this is a pretty useful tool for those interested in checking it out. And lastly, my favorite, the Cape Base Rule. Everything we've talked about so far was modeling fixed SCRs, but there are actually many other approaches out there, including variable withdrawal strategies based on market conditions. Lots of calculators include these. And one of these is available here in the toolbox using this tab. Going deep on this is definitely beyond the scope of this video, but I find this model really useful, and in fact it's something I'm employing for my own withdrawal strategy. Eric and I will talk about this more in part two of this series. For more details in the interim, please see Karsten's post, Building a Better Cape Ratio, in the show notes, as well as parts 18 and 54 in the SWR series. I found all of those posts hugely informative, and in fact, they've really helped me gain confidence in my own strategy. Now, if you'd like us to put out a separate walkthrough about how to use the CAPE-based tool, please let us know in the comments. And that's it. I think you'll agree that this tool is actually really easy to use once you understand just a few basics. 
Most of us don't need much more information than what's in this video. However, if you're someone who does want to understand the details of all the math under the hood, it's available. Just check out part eight in Karsten's blog series, which is the technical appendix. A few closing thoughts. After retiring, how can you continue to reuse this toolbox? My suggestion is that you include it as part of your annual financial review process, which you should be doing, just like I do. You just return to the spreadsheet, subtract one year from your timeline assumptions, and update any other parameters that might have changed. That will produce a new SWR that you can apply to your annual budget. Now, if you didn't do this on the first viewing, consider watching this video again while you work with your own copy of the toolbox. As you enter your own information, I think you'll find it useful to follow along when I go over each tab. As a reminder, you'll find a link to the show notes in the description field of this video or at twosidesoffi.com slash toolbox. Lastly, thanks so much for watching. If you have any questions, please be sure to leave a comment on the video. And thanks. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Thank you.